0: i am excited this morning because we have claude and kelly nicondeja with us can you guys hear me yes Yes. awesome (laughs) it's always good when the technical (laughs) issues work like you hope that they will i'm excited to see claude and kelly together um kelly came back in the early part of the year to promote her book that she had published and she got caught in the middle of the pandemic and wasn't able to travel home and just this week returned to Burundi to Claude and to the kids. And it was quarantined for a number of days. And so I'm happy to see that you're with us and that you're together. That's exciting. (laughs) It's good to be out of
1: quarantine.
0: (laughs) I can imagine. I wonder just, uh, Claude and Kelly are on our staff. They work in Bujumbura Burundi. It's a partnership we've had for over 10 years. I know if you've been here any length of time, you've heard about Burundi, but I wonder if you could give us just a brief kind of overview of the impact that COVID has had on Burundi this year.
2: Yes, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be back at the community of faith, our family, and uh, yeah, so, As far as COVID is concerned, Burundi has been, for the most part, being shielded from it. We have had less than uh, a thousand cases and less than a dozen deaths, mainly because we have been isolated from the rest of the world for the past five years since our last political turmoil. And uh, since March, the country has been closed as far as borders are concerned, the airport, so it's been closed for the last eight months. Uh, but we haven't been uh, shielded from the economic ramifications from it. We have been hit hard economically as a country. and um, But uh, thankfully, for the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, the airport has been open and uh, the border with Congo has been open. So pro- slowly but surely, we're getting back to to a normal life, you know.
1: And our Batwa friends um, have fared better than most because they are outside of the capital city. They also are geographically um, isolated and therefore shielded. Uh, Since most people who do come in and potentially bring the virus are in the, come in and out of the airports in the main city, uh, they have been shielded. So we haven't had any diagnoses or any loss of life among our Batwa communities. So uh, they are doing well.
0: That's amazing, and I'm very happy to hear that about our Batwa friends. I know at Community of Faith, in spite of the difficulties of 2020, that we've seen God move in some surprising ways here that were unexpected. And I imagine, I know that you guys have kind of seen the same thing there in Burundi, in particular with Burundi Fortified Foods. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yes, uh, of course. So about two years ago, we studied Burundi fortified foods, which is uh, our uh, our way to fight malnourishment in Burundi. Um, about ten years ago, when we studied our work in Bobanza, in a in a Bato community there, a little over uh, six thousand families. One of the challenges were was the uh, uh, kids dying before their age of five. So over 80% of all children were dying and mothers as well. So we started testing different things and one and the porridge that we started giving to the kids changed everything for them. And within five years, we went from 80% uh, death rate to 0%. So studying Burundi 45 food was a way to see how can we Reach out to the country as a whole with this new found uh, product, uh, and the, the vision or the mission was to produce, uh, to sell the product, and fifty. So fifty percent of our production will be sold in the in the local market, and fifty percent of the production will be given for free to vulnerable communities. But at the beginning, it was very hard. To, to sell because it was a new product in a new market and there were existing products from europe uh, that had been established for many many years but last march when all the borders and airports were closed uh, we saw it as an opportunity we took it as an opportunity to reintroduce our product to the market and we had a tremendous response uh, from the market, and uh, we went from producing twenty thousand kilo a month to sixty thousand uh, wow. kilos a month. So we were able to sell half and give half to the vulnerable communities. And our numbers have grown every month ever since. So we have been. We are currently serving over ten thousand kids every day, feeding them with high. Um, very rich porridge to those vulnerable children and seeing their, their life change, their communities changed. That's so a- what
1: we've seen in these 10 communities this last year is that the children are staying in school. Attendance has gone up to 90% in school. And at the same time, there's been a decrease in hospitalizations. Doctors say that instead of seeing 120 kids per week, they see maybe 12 so kids are increase you know their attendance decrease their hospitalization and zero dropouts, we have had no children drop out of those schools all year it and we can't wait to grow this to we're hoping to to bring in maybe 12 more communities next year um, so that we can really help more communities more kids get that bright future both you know not their bodies but also their brains just to light up
0: that's incredible you guys should be proud of the work that you're doing there in burundi you know all all through this year Quizera academy and the trade school and the uh, health center have continued to operate and bring hope and and help to their communities i wonder if you could give us just a quick update on kazosa finance and what's been happening there
2: yes uh, so so about eight years ago uh, community of faith decided to start this community bank and though the, there was many uh thoughts into it but one of the main goal was to reduce the the youth unemployment in the country. And we wanted to come alongside small and medium businesses that had a a, a project, an idea that could be scaled up with our financial services and education. So for the last eight years, we have been able to support over 40,000 projects or businesses and giving loans Uh, a combination of about 11 million US dollars. Uh And uh, we have grown uh, Cazusa Finance uh, from one branch to about 10 branches and with about 40,000 members. Mm -hmm. Uh, With all of that, we have been able to create, solidify and keep over 210,000 jobs uh, throughout the country. And uh, we are on um, on a good line to create even more coming year. And and, uh, and the payment rate, amazingly, even during COVID, it's been over 94%, which is really good news that shows that the businesses that we have chosen to support are keeping steady and growing. So uh, it's been a tremendous thing that we have been doing with Community of Faith Doing this in the name and spirit of Jesus, uh, seeing God transform communities, not only spiritually, but financially and uh, physically as well.
0: That's incredible what's happening there through Kazoza Finance. I know this year one of the plans was to begin a new work in a, a marginalized community that is on the side of the city dump where the people work and scavenge there at the dump. And I know obviously plans have changed everywhere over the course of this year but what are you guys looking forward to in the next year in that regard
1: well it's been um this is one of the places that's been more challenging um burundi lost their president um this last year in june it was an unexpected he was a young man it was an unexpected death And it led to a really uh, tumultuous transition time here in the country to the new administration. Um, And in that process, our project uh, got a little waylaid. We had uh, to rebuild relationships with the new government and communicate our vision and our hopes for this community. Um, And so that's just been a little slower, but one of the communities where we have our feeding program is in this very place, Puchurere. And so we continue to feed children there to have good relationships with the school there and the families there so that relationally, we are still moving forward, seeing goodness happen. So as soon as that government kicks into place, and all of that clicks, we are going to be ready to build our community center and just you know, exponentially grow.
0: That's exciting. I appreciate you guys joining us today. We want to pray for you uh, before I let you go. But I'm going to let everybody say hello to you. Y'all wave at Carlton <laughs> Kelly. There's another room full of people, and we keep you in our thoughts and prayers always. Love you guys. Thank you. And Thank I'm going to pray you. for you. I'm glad you're together and that you get to reunite <laughs> with your family. We love you guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much.
0: Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful for the good news that you are still at work, that you are strong and powerful and nothing can stop the good plans that you have. And God, we thank you for what you're doing all across Burundi, for the things that you're doing to bring health and healing and education and hope and salvation. And God, we praise you for that. We thank you that we can have a part in what you're doing, that you've allowed us that opportunity. God, we do pray for Claude and Kelly. I pray for their continued good health. I pray for wisdom as they continue to do the work you've called them to there, and just for their family, for Justin and Emma, as all of them just reunite and rebuild those uh, bonds that they have as they've been separated for all these months. I pray for your blessing upon them. We thank you for what you're doing there. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
3: Yeah. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, doing all right? How about at home? I hope you're doing well. It's so cool to see what God's doing in Burundi. I mean, that one church, community of faith, could affect a whole country. You know, Claude's full-time on our staff, and everything that's been done there has been done by you and you alone. And so it's so exciting to see what what God has done. Can you imagine, like, 210,000 families have a job, have food on the table, because of you and because of your generosity. And it just astounds me when I think of that. When I think of the little kids, you know, when I first went there, one of the things that the chief of one of the villages told me, he said, everyone's forgotten us. Like he said, one out of five of our kids lives to age five. And I saw all the little kids with distended bellies and stuff, and I I told him, there's a church in Hockley, Texas, you might not have heard of that, that's not gonna forget yet, and we haven't. now it's so cool because uh, all the kids are, are living and it's just been this amazing thing. In fact, you know, I told some of you before that we got this one lady that we put in charge of, maybe you could help them with a little bit of family planning to try to, because there's so many kids now and she got pregnant, so that didn't work out. But the the, the whole thing is, it's just been so much fun to see what God is is doing there and to see those little bright eyed kids, you know, and getting that that porridge, that fortified porridge, because of you. I love you for that, and I'm excited. That's why we started the church in the first place, when we came back from Mexico. And, uh, you know, I think God's got something really good for us today, because I want to talk to you from the Bible about sound advice for uncertain times. And I don't know about you, but I have been feeling it, you know. When I had to go back in again for the second knee surgery, they said, you know, the first one didn't take because my... uh, Tendon was so bad, and I could have told him that already, you know. So now I actually have a cadaver tendon, okay. So I told Laura, if I kick her in the shin or something, might not be me, you know. But um, and, and so we've got this, I mean, it's all, it's, it's set up now. We went to a, a doctor that uh, does the Rockets and the Texans. They asked me in physical therapy what my goal was. I said, kick a 75-yard field goal. So we'll see how that, that works out. But I've just been, I mean, you know, when I found out I had to go back in again, I got super discouraged. God, what are you doing? I don't understand. Maybe some of you have been in in a place like that. Like, God, what are you doing right now? The Bible is, it's very interesting because it calls times like we're living in right now, it calls them evil times. The evil day is one of the ways that that it describes it. And that word in the Bible used to, for evil in that instance, like the evil day, it means oppressed or harassed or uh, bringing toils, annoyances, disease, perils, a time full of peril to the Christian faith or causing pain and trouble. And I think Paul, when he was writing to his friend Timothy and he was saying, I want to tell you what's going to happen at the end of the ages, Uh, Some 2,000 years ago, he wrote that. He said this, and just read it with me. It says, and know this, in the last days, times will be hard. You see, the world will be filled with narcissistic, money-grubbing, pretentious, arrogant, and abusive people. They will rebel against their parents, will be ungrateful, unholy, uncaring, cold-hearted, accusing, without restraint, savage, and haters, of anything good. And I know some of you have come to me and said, you know, I keep just realizing that it's not even just the pandemic that's got me down. It's the way, you know, people, some of the people around me are acting or some of them have really let me down and some in my own household or some, you know, at work or some of these different things and you keep expecting something better. But look what Paul said to Timothy. He said, expect them. If you live in this day, expect them to be treacherous, reckless, swollen with self-importance, given to loving pleasure more than they love God. Even though they may look or act like godly people, they're not, they deny his power. So we can end up when we see all of this and feel like maybe you know we're living in this wrapping up of things, at least in America, sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? Every great civilization has gone through its evil day down through the years. If we had time We would be able to go down through the years of time and history and talk about those. But we don't. I just have a few minutes this morning. So in the next 10 or 15 minutes, I just want to talk to you about what do you do in the evil day? Because see, the evil day can break you. You know that, right? I mean, it's more than just uncertainty. It's an evil day. It can break you. But what the Bible is going to tell us, it can also make you. And when... We see what the scripture that's given today offers us. It's it's incredible. It, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it turns everything on its head. The Bible tends to do that, you know? The Bible says, if you want to be great, be the servant of everyone. If you want, you know, to be exalted, then be humble. It, it's always backwards of the way that, that we think. And it is in this instance too. Here's how you not only survive, but thrive in evil days. It's in Ephesians chapter five. We'll start with verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. It's the evil day. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. What we're going to see right now in these verses is that as the Bible turns everything upside down, the Bible is saying the evil day is not an obstacle to be overcome. It's an opportunity to be seized. This is incredible. We tend to read Ephesians 5, 16 as Paul calling us as believers to action because the time is short. But he didn't say the time is short. He said, the days are evil. I'm calling you to action because the days are evil. Evil days are days of opportunity. The more evil our culture becomes, the more desperate, the more opportunities for us to show the power, the grace, the the just unconditional love of this one who lives inside of us. You see, God controls history. In fact, all of history is really... His story. He permits the rise of nations. He, 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 he does all of these things. Like he can sometimes uh, permit, determine that, that kings will fall, others will rise. Talks about that all through the Bible, orchestrated by God. Even the forces of evil are used in such a way that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that he is God, that's his ultimate goal. So he permits these evil days to come and it upsets people's well-ordered lives. And when our well-ordered lives are upset, suddenly we become more open to things that really matter because we get caught up so much of the time in our day-to-day life and just doing what we do. It gets comfortable and then the evil day comes. We haven't really had one of those yet in, in America today like I think we're experiencing or going to experience. We've, we've had some really difficult times. We've had even you know a time that was part of an evil day, the Civil War, things like that. We, we begin to, to see that, but the Bible says, here's the thing, evil times are not to be feared. They're times of unparalleled opportunity and we've got to make the most of them. So how do you do that? It tells us right here. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. What a strange word. It's not a word we use. You know, I mean, was the last time that you said circumspectly? You know, make sure you walk circumspectly today, kids, as you go to school. You, you, we don't use that, okay? Um, and that's because it's a strange word pulled from the Greek language. It's an accounting word. It, I mean, it really means to have exactness or precision. It's like if you're keeping the books for an organization and you can't quite read that number, you don't just make it up. You have to go find out exactly what it is. You want to know, is it a 10 or a 100? You don't just, well, I think it's this. You got to get it to the penny. You know, you got to get it down. You must be precise. And then it says, so I want you to walk precisely. I want you to be thinking about what you're doing. I want you to focus down, redeeming the time, he says, which again, We don't use that very often either. You don't tell your kids, kids, redeem the time today, okay? That's not something that you'd usually say. But it's an interesting word. It's a market word. It means to buy back, to barter for, the payment of a price to recover from the power of another. There's an interesting verse in the book of Revelation. It says what we're going to be doing in heaven. One of the things is besides ruling and reigning with God and you know, I don't know if that's creating new universes or what. You know, that'd be really cool if he says to you, I want you to go out and create whole new universes with me. That'd be pretty fun. But we're also going to be praising him for how good he is and how great he is. And it says this, in heaven, they were all singing a new song of praise to the Lamb Jesus. They said, because you died for us, you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Your blood was the price paid to redeem us. You redeemed us. You bought us back. You created us, but then we got away from you. We chose our own way. We fell, and we became this prodigal planet, but you broke into time and space, and you paid a price to buy us back. You redeemed us. You purchased us to bring us to God out of every tribe, language, people, group, and nation going to be amazing in in heaven to dance with the batwa. I'm going to be able to to dance as good as they dance in heaven, and that's going to be incredible. And then I'm going to teach them to play basketball because they're all about five feet tall, four feet six, Um, because I want to be Shaquille. I've always dreamed of being Shaquille, maybe in heaven, you know. But here's the thing. I think that God has got this amazing thing for you if we can just catch it. His truth for us is that time cannot be saved. Time cannot be saved. You have to trade it for something else. It has to be spent. You see, we always talk about saving time. Some of you are going like, I'm going to save a lot of time today doing this or that. Really? At midnight. And then you look back. How much time did you save from today for tomorrow? Nothing. It doesn't carry over, does it? You get 86,400 seconds. Imagine if I gave you 86,400. 400 pennies, and I said, here's the deal. It's $864, $300,000 a year. I'm giving that to you every day, but it's at midnight of every day that whatever you haven't spent comes back. I'm gonna take it back. How are you gonna do on spending it? I think you're gonna do pretty good, probably, right? You're gonna find a way to do something with that $864, but that's the thing. 86,400 seconds, 86,000. 400 seconds God gives us every day. And he says, here's the thing about time that you got to understand. You can't keep it. You can't hoard it. You can't save it. You have to trade it for something. You have to to trade it for something. And here's the thing. The evil day creates some bargains, some opportunities, some, some things that I want you to see that are out there. Make the most of them. Buy them up. Such an interesting word. And he goes on to say, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If we don't understand what God is doing, we're going to act foolishly in the evil day. We're going to be panicked and running around. You know, a lot of us, I I think that we haven't even really probably moved totally into the evil day yet but we're still in these uncertain times that, that, that freak us out and feel like that. But what kind of example are we being to our kids about what it means to be a believer in these uncertain times? Are we panicked? Are we fearful? Are we afraid? Are we, are, are we complaining? Are we whining? All of these things, that's typical. That's what is normal for a worldling to do, right? In times like these but not for the believer, acting foolishly. You know, it might not be what you think it is because the Bible again turns some of that on its head. Jesus told a story. Let me just read it to you because he's a good storyteller and I'll read it to you, I think, out of the Passion version and that way you can hear it like we would say it today. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop And the guy talked to himself and he said, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough to to hold all this harvest. Tough problem, right? You know, I don't, my barn's not big enough. He said, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll gather in my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made. Now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Well, that's, I was thinking about that. That's kind of the American dream, isn't it? You know, I was thinking, well, he just like summed up the American dream. That sounds pretty good. And then the next thing, he just kind of blows it all to pieces because he said, just then God showed up and said, fool, tonight your soul is required of you. Tonight you die and your barn full of goods, who gets it? And then Jesus said, Thus will it be for the one who stores up treasure for himself, but is not rich in what matters to God. He says, I want you to walk understandingly. I want you to, to, to get it because even if you live the American dream to the full, God says you're a fool. We're going, What? No, what wait, God, you know, I I I'm not understanding exactly. We need to understand the purpose. The purpose of what? The purpose of everything. Why we're even here on this planet, redeeming the time for the days are evil. One of the books that I've read in my life, I've read some, well, many, many books, but a handful of them have made a huge impact. One was Your Money or Your Life. Joe Dominguez, Vicky Robin. I don't know if you've read that or not, but uh, they're not believers. But what Joe Dominguez presents, he says money is your life energy. It represents your life energy. Energy. What do you mean by that? Well, when you work, you use your life energy, right? And so he said, so money is just a paper representation of that. So if you work for $20 an hour, then I give you a $20 bill for one hour of life energy. And he said, if you realize that, then you can kind of decide what's important and what's not based on what you feel is important. So if you go to the store and you see those jeans that you really want, and they cost $60. How many hours of life energy is that to buy them? Three, if you make $20 an hour, right? So you can kind of sit down and look at that. Are these worth, is this worth three hours of my life energy? And it just begins to change how you, you know, you spend your money a lot, you know, just not just grabbing, oh, I think I'll have my seventh latte of the day from Starbucks and realize that's like three hours of life energy, you know, and all those things. Some of you are going, yeah, but it's totally worth it, right? But the thing is, it really it really helped me. So what I realized is that, that wisdom is the art of buying back our life energy wisely because life energy is all we have. It's precious because it's limited. It's irretrievable and because our choices about how we express the meaning and, and purpose of our life is how we use that. We can see. You can see how you use it. That's why money is such a a good indicator of what our, our beliefs really are. But wisdom is the art of using that really wisely. I want you to imagine with me that I had some insider scoop, okay? Now, you go to jail for stuff like this, so I don't have this, all right? But you have a stock. We've got this stock. We bought it together. It's worth a million dollars, but I've got insider scoop that next week, in fact, by next Wednesday, it's going to be worth zero what are you gonna do with that? You're gonna go like, well, that's fine. I don't care, I'm keeping it forever. No, you're not gonna do that, right? You're gonna get rid of it. You're gonna trade it for something that's worth a million dollars that lasts longer, that lasts, hopefully, forever. Well, we as believers, we have some insider information. Here I have, I got out of my wallet today, $300. You know what the Bible says is gonna to happen to all the material stuff in this world? I'm going to show you. Are you ready? Let's see. All right. You ready? No, me neither. I can't do it. <laughs> it was such a good illustration in my mind, but then it's like, I can't do it. But here's what I am going to do, okay? I'm going to give this $300 to Cherie. She's out there in the lobby. You know, she's the one, they're the ones that are doing the, the, the little early show. The first three of you that go up to her after this, keep your mask on, whatever, but go up to her and she'll give you $100 to give away, not to keep, to give away to someone this week for the kingdom of God, okay? I thought that's a lot better use than burning it up. But that's the whole point, right? I've got a little bit of insider scoop for you. All of this stuff that we see, I I thought about putting pictures up and, and asking you questions like a little quiz. Is this going to last? Is this going to last? You know what? The only thing that's going to last are people, God's word, the things of him. This building's not lasting, but you're the church. You will last. You're going to be here a billion years from now. That's the only things that last. And when it comes to that, there's some real bargains out there. Can I just tell you that? That's the whole thing about our best gift to Jesus. I'm just going to give you this illustration. There was a couple in our church a few years ago that went with me to Africa, to went with me to Burundi, and at that time, the kids in so many of the other places besides where we were working were still starving to death, basically. And Claude had this vision of a giant factory that produced this, you know, enriched porridge that you could actually live on forever, you know, if that's all you ever ate. And um, he had the whole, like, idea of the formula for it and all these different things, and and um, this couple that went with me, uh, we didn't have any money for it, and they came to me after the trip and they said, Mark, we've been saving all of our married life for a vacation home. And we've saved up this amount of money, pretty big amount of money, but we want to give all of it to start this factory. We want to, we want to build this factory. That was a few years ago. Did you hear what they're doing now? Now? where there's 10,000 kids a day eating that wouldn't have been eating because that factory's there. there. There's all these things going on and it's getting ready to spread to the Congo and other places. And I look at that and I look at them and that was a huge sacrifice. But was it worth it when they see, you know, and in heaven said we're all gonna be gathered around God's throne, millions of us. Can you imagine Thousands and thousands, literally tens of thousands over the years of little children, adults, others came and you saved my life. I got to grow up and come to know God because of what you did. A billion years from now, be dancing with them. Was that worth it? Yeah, it so worth it. Now, am I saying that God's gonna tell you to give away your vacation home? I didn't say that. But I want you just to be open and willing to to be open to him, whatever he says to do. You know, one of the things the Bible says, and this is, this is a big key, I want you to get this. It's really important that, that we know this. <clears throat> the Bible says, God loves a cheerful giver. And, and it says, don't give under compulsion. What does that mean? It's like under the thumb is what it literally means. If someone comes to you and says, you're not a good Christian if you don't do and they start putting the thumb down on you, and you feel it, don't give to that. Don't give to that stuff. Because it's not going to do any good because you're not giving for the right reason anyway. If someone shows you pictures of little kids and they've got you know flies on them and all the... That's why we don't try to show you like all the heart-rending pictures that I see over there. I've taken some of them, but I want to show you what's happening. I want you to give because you went home. It says... What it says, it finishes that verse and says, go home and decide in your heart what God has asked you to give. And that's what you do. You just go home and say, God, what do you want me to give to this? And if he says, give your vacation home, then you do it. Here's the interesting thing about that. I'm not one of these guys that says, you know, if you, you know, give a, a dollar, then God's going to give you back $100 and, you know, all these kind of things that you hear sometimes on TV. That's not in the Bible but I can tell you that that couple during this pandemic, their business has grown when all the others, even in the same industries, has dropped. I can't even explain it. In fact, they just keep giving now because they said that was so much fun. I don't know if they've gotten the money back for their vacation home yet. It wouldn't surprise me. But when God finds a channel, there's so few of us that are really willing to do that, that that he just keeps pouring it on so you can keep pouring it out. Not so we can hoard it. We don't need to hoard it. That's not the point. It's so interesting because I think so many times we think, you know, who am I? What can I do? I don't, God says, that's not even the question. It's what can I do? What can you allow me to do through you? So how do we not just crater in this time? And I'll finish with that. You know, the the Coke cans are so... After you've emptied the Coke out, it just you can just crush it, right? Even the weakest little kid could crush it. Now, back in the, uh, a long time ago, those cans were a lot tougher. I don't know what they were made out of back then, but whatever they're made of now, you know. Now, when the Coke's in there, it, it holds. And that's what, that's what the Bible says. It says, here's the thing. If you want to survive and thrive in the evil day, you've got to equalize the pressure because there's crushing pressure coming in on you. There's got to be something inside that equalizes it. And that's where that verse comes in. Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It's weird that Paul puts those two together, but there's a big reason for that. Because all of human life, every human being on this planet knows that we have to equalize the pressure. And people try all different kinds of things. When the pressure comes and it's crushing, some people turn to wine. And they try to fill it up the inside with wine, so that can kind of numb some things down, but that's still, you still get crushed. Maybe it's food for some people, maybe it's sex for some people, maybe it's just shopping for some people, you know, maybe it's vegging on Netflix, you know, I don't know. But what the Bible says is, is if you want to equalize the pressure, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know, believer, when you stepped into the relationship with God, when you said, I'm full out for you, Jesus, I accept what you did for me on the cross you bought me back you redeemed me you took my place i receive you i receive that into my life god's holy spirit which is the father son spirit all of them are god three in one god i don't no nobody can figure that out but god lives in you and he says if you'll let me fill you i will equalize the pressure the only reason we can fly so high in those airplanes is cuz they equalize the pressure, 14 pounds per square inch. Otherwise, all the inside pressure of you would want to like come out. Your ears would be popping, your noses would be bleeding, you know, when you get up to 36,000 feet. He says, "I want to equalize the pressure. Let me equalize the pressure." And you'll be standing strong when everything's being crushed around you. And people will stop and go, "What is this?" How is this? One of the things, well, the thing that turned Laura's and my marriage around in those early days when we were having the hardest of times was learning how to be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? You just say a simple, you're a believer if you stepped in already. You just say, Spirit, you live in me. I give you total free reign control of me. You take over, I'll do whatever you say. Whatever you say, I'll do. And then you just follow through with that. Begin to read Psalms and Proverbs if you want to. I love to do that, like one chapter a day. And it's it's really sweet how God's spirit begins to change you. You say, that easy? Well, it's God in you. I mean, it's a miracle, right? And you're saying, but I don't know if I want to do that or not because I don't know if I I trust God. I mean, what if he tells me to give away uh, all my money? Well, if he tells you to give away all your money, give away all your money. But make sure it's him. You know, I've done some stupid things that I thought was God and it was just bad pizza I ate the night before. You know? I don't want you to like, you know, just go, I'm all emotional today. i give all my money. Don't do it that way. He's probably not going to ask you that, but he's probably going to ask you to give more than you think to his kingdom because that's what lasts. And we're going to give it all away. I mean... That's what's so hard here. Sometimes, you know, when we have huge needs and then we have our best gift and all this money comes in and we're going like, well, we could really use that. No, it's not staying here. That's not what it's for. And we get to be a channel and then that's why God has always blessed us because we can be a channel just like you can. So are you ready for that challenge? Are you ready to do that? I, I know you can do it. You say, well, I don't know, I'm fearful and I'm scared and I'm, I'm nervous and I'm upset and I don't know if I trust God. You've trusted God for your eternal soul, but you can't trust him for today. So it doesn't make any sense. Either he's trustworthy or he's not. And if you could see his heart for you, it doesn't matter what you've been experiencing. You say, how could God be trustworthy and I've experienced this? God didn't cause it. God didn't cause it, but he is there. He cries with you. He's there with you. And he says, I didn't cause it, but I'll sure use it for good in your life to make you more than you ever thought you could be. When you rule and reign with me, it's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be the most amazing thing. You're gonna throw your head back and go, man, those temporary difficult times were so worth it. I got so strong. So, little girl, are you going to do it? Just say, Father, I really do trust you. Fill me today. You won't believe what he does in your relationships. His little boy out there, Father, you know, I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot of junk in my life. i got a lot of trauma, a lot of things. A uh, little selfish. I'm a little, or maybe you don't think you are, but you are, you know. God, just show me, Holy Spirit, I give you me. All of me. And little by little, you watch what he does as he begins to change you from the inside out. And when the evil day comes, and it's coming, I don't like to harp on it, but it's coming. You will not be crushed. You will stand tall. And you'll look around, and people all around you, you'll get to share with them the difference that God has made in your life. And you'll see God work on your behalf in the midst of it. Would you just close your eyes with me? Father, you're so good. And we are so lost in our understanding sometimes right now about what you wanna do, how you wanna do it. We're mixed up about you, we thought we had a deal, we thought we were gonna to go to church. and do these things, and you're going to take care of all this stuff, and it's all falling apart. We don't know. So right now, we just wrap all of our unknowns up in this kind of ugly-looking bundle of junk, and we just lay it down at your feet and say, just here. Here it is. Just take all of it. Some of us are really mad at you. We just put that in there, too. Some of us are really, really down on you. We put that in there, too. Some of us are really disappointed and disillusioned with you and we put that in there too and we lay it down at your feet. Here, Jesus. You loved us enough to die for us. I know you're going to freely give us what we need to live and I trust you right now. Fill me, Spirit. with All that you are. Control. I give you control. I give you in charge. What you say, I'll do. What you ask, I'll do. As we do that, Father, you're going to make everything new for us. You're going to cause this to be a time of just even joy in the midst of the deepest hurts maybe our land has ever felt. And I thank you. I thank you for that. Thank you that we're your little sons and daughters, that you love us. Jesus, thank you for buying us back when we got so far from you and we didn't deserve it. And Holy Spirit, thank you for living in us. We give you free reign over us. In Jesus' name, amen.